Sorry for the delay last week, but as I said, I really wanted to make sure that this podcast got the point across and, you know, I had to do a little bit of editing on it. Um, you know, and, and I do try to make this as real as possible, but since the podcast is Mrs. Brightside and the bright side of depression, I felt that when there were moments that were maybe um, a little too negative, a little too inside, a little too... I felt that it would be counterproductive because um, this is supposed to be cognitive behavioral therapy and it's about changing your perspective and that a lot of this is about what you can do for yourself as well as for others because, you know, it is a little bit of both um, and I just wanted to make sure that that point got across and that that, you know, is what this is about. So yeah, you know, again, I'm trying to be as authentic as possible but, you know, I don't want to damage the brand or anyone in that maybe some of the negativity could have um, done. And yeah, that that's why, and again, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit like, you know, Anthony and being authentic as possible, just saying I, I did have to edit a lot more stuff out that I, I wouldn't normally because I felt that the point had been lost at times. I mean, and the point is to listen. And, you know, as I say, I mean, I'm listening to myself and my co-host in this podcast. And I'm like, yep, that's not what I wanted to get, you know, get to you guys. So that is um, what happened. And I hope that you really do enjoy this. And again, um, let me know if you have your own story to tell. And, and I can talk to you. And, um... Yeah, you might even get your own episode if you want it. Um, so yeah, again, this is meant to help, and this is finally the bright side of depression. It's Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains, look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. You're listening to Mrs. Brightside, where the glass is always half full. Or my new slogan, as I've said, your CBT on CBD. I'm working that one out because I'm talking to some CBD sponsors, you know. But yeah, um, I'm your host, Lucretia Lyon, and this week I have a another repeat guest here. Hi, Lex Michael is here again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one that you and I did, The Bright Side of Bad Movies, is the top one. Really? So, yeah, well, like, people exciting. did like it. That's why I wanted you back. Cause, then, like, then you're welcome. Yeah. I'm trying to make this, like, legit, so... I feel like the you're welcome canceled out the I'm sorry, so yeah. I'm being neither self-deprecating yeah. nor self-aggrandizing. I just come out neutral. You know, that self-deprecating, like, a lot of people use humor, is um, sort of going into what we're talking about today. And that's the bright side of depression, you know. Sure. We, yeah. Yeah. We know, we know about this. We know something about this. Yeah. We've read, we've read books. Yeah. Um, and a book I read, and one of the few books that I own. Yes, it's true. I own a few books. You own books? Ew. Yeah, I know. Like, that are not comic books. I own a lot of those. <laughs> but, like, a few books was uh, Kitchen Confidential. It... The, um, you know, we aren't talking about Anthony Bourdain, but be clear, we're talking about my feelings on him and my feelings in regards to, to my own depression. I'm not, you know, going to 
try to dissect what was in his mind because that's not my business. And, um, but yeah, this did sort of give me a wake-up call on why I wanted to do this because he did mean a lot to me. And the funny thing is, is, um, where my Anthony Bourdain love started was a little show starring Bradley Cooper as Anthony Bourdain called Kitchen Confidential, which is what, and it made me buy a book. I went and bought that book when that show came out and it was prematurely canceled. But I, I enjoyed it so I much, and I realize, loved this character when I realized he was a real guy. I didn't realize you were so anti-book. Oh, no, it's a joke. Like, because I really don't own a lot of books. <laughs> you've got, I mean, you've got, like, smart devices now, so if well, you're yeah. so inclined, all of your books can be in your pocket. Yeah, well, and too, I am one of those people that I don't really like a lot of fiction books. I like nonfiction, and that's why I, I like biographies and things like that. But yeah, like, I did, I've never read, like, Harry Potter or anything, because that's just, like, not, like, I'd rather just read an autobiography on J.K. Rowling, maybe, but right. that's just my cup of tea. So yeah, that's why I liked Kitchen Confidential, yeah. and I liked this guy, and, you know, this character, Jack Bourdain in the show, Bradley Cooper played, I liked him. But then to realize this was a real person and how closely this was and how cool this guy. He'd sort of already been a rock star in my mind because also I said a little thing for chefs because I like to eat. But um, yeah, so I thought this guy was so cool. And then he finally got like his own show as himself, No Reservations. Yeah. And um, yeah, like that's what made me always want to go eat and look and you know, see his recommendations when I would go to places. I'm not one to shy away from eating anything. I swallowed a live minnow. <laughs> yes, so I've heard. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, and that's why I thought he was so cool, because one of my favorite quotes of his was, your body's not a temple, it's an amusement park. Yeah, you see that getting thrown around on yeah. Twitter a lot the past couple of days. But yeah, this guy, he was, he was a rock star without the rock world. But yeah, he was a rock star... In a not-rock world, which was cool to me, because I've always been fascinated by rock stars. I wonder why, because of my upbringing. But, yeah, much like David Lee Roth is almost a stand-up comedian in a rock star world. Like, you know, I love these people that are in an element that they might... That they're sort of a fish out of water, but it works. Sure. See, I I know you were a very big fan. Uh, I cannot claim to have been a massive massive fan in as far as i didn't follow his work all that closely but of course very aware of who he was and i've listened to him speak uh multiple times you know a good chunk of time and i have not actually read kitchen confidential but i've read you know pieces i've read things he's written um, what always struck me about him was his uh his openness and his decency and his directness and his intellectual curiosity uh, all traits that I respect immensely, and the way that what I what I understood of his work and the, the portions of his work that I saw, it was yes, it was about food, but it was just as much, if not more. And you correct me if I'm if I'm mistaken, but it seemed to be just as much, if not more, about the people and the cultures yeah. and the shared experiences and shared values and and all of that coming together as people bond over food. Yeah, because that was one of the more beautiful things about Anthony is that he, much like myself, is definitely a more middle-of-the-ground sort of person. 
he doesn't see things as black and white, you know, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Republican, whether you're President Obama. He treated everyone like they were a person. Yeah. And every different culture he went, certainly with people whose views vastly differed from his. Because one of my favorite episodes, because it's the Alice Cooper episode, and Alice Cooper, you know, is friends with John McCain. He tends to lean a little bit more to the right. Not really a Trump supporter. I can't but, picture the two of them in a room together. Yeah. What would they, those conversations They golf like? together. I so desperately want to yeah. golf with Alice Cooper and John, John McCain. McCain. Yeah, like, um, and so, like, he treats him as he did President Obama. And even Ted Nugent, who was in the same episode with Alice Cooper, he goes to Texas to Ted Nugent's ranch. And he shoots skeet with him, and um, he uh, barbecues with him, and treats him just as he would, you know, an African tribe or something. And, and, it, and it's just beautiful to see people like that, because that's the thing, is he would go to Africa, or, you know, or um, India, and just meet people of different cultures that, you know, are not of the Western world. Right. <laughs> Which, one could argue, Ted Nugent has a culture that is not... That was um, where I was going. I was the Western Yeah, world. I was like, that, that was where I was going with that. Particularly civilized. Well, yeah. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. I, I was making a joke, and I was like, oh, I feel like I have to Bob Saget this joke here. Because really quickly, I was like, are we getting to the end of a thesis statement? <laughs> yes, a thesis statement. Yes, on Ted Nugent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and it was just like, wow, like, I like this guy, because this guy is not up his own ass, and that was the beauty of him. As I said, he was like, Carlin and, um, Jagger had a baby, and <laughs> it, that baby was trapped in New Jersey. <laughs> All right. Okay. I yeah. think maybe I could see that a little no. bit. But yeah, he was a special, and two, I've always been a bit of a rebel, and that's why I loved him, because... This is actually my personality test question as well. And so when he was interviewing for his intern, because I was a little, you know, uh, probably like 12, 13. Yeah. Maybe I was a little bit older, but when he was interviewing for an intern on No Reservations and he had, like, people come on and, like, his questions were more, like, philosophical or, like, Stones of the Beatles. Because that's the thing, is I learn a lot about a person just by that simple question, too. Because... It says a lot about you, and you don't even realize it. So wait, okay, so so for you, Stones yeah. of the Beatles. Stones. See, and like, yeah. I'm sitting here at war with myself, yeah. because it feels like such a Sophie's Choice. Yeah. And I feel, it's, it seems like such a cop-out, but I feel like for me, the answer genuinely depends on the day you ask me the question, but I'm trying so hard to pick one, yeah. because that feels, that's the most honest answer I can give, but it feels like such a cop-out. So I'm trying really hard to pick one over the other. Well, both, I mean, because to me, in a way, Stone's created the rebellious rock and roll and you know like elvis was the american the stones and the beatles were you know in you know the british invasion there but i feel like the stones were rock and roll before the beatles were rock and roll and then no one gets they don't seem to get credit the beatles well, were boy band like, before right them. i feel yeah. like too, the stones were ripping off blues artists yeah before, and that's why they were rock and, and roll, roll before exactly. The, exactly and that's what rock and roll is. It is. is and it's like uh, it's incubation influence. to early birth to like adolescent phase. It was all just let's steal from blues musicians. Well, and it, yes, they were definitely doing that first. And two, the Stones were the real pioneers of what rock and roll, you know, hopefully still is. I know there's a lot of talk like 
the Rock is dead in a way, but I mean, the Foo Fighters are still, you know, what we would consider rock. I mean, they're still out there, and the Stones are still playing. The thing is, is these guys haven't died yet, but they sort of invented that rock and roll image that the Beatles eventually got to, but that was much later. They started doing a lot of LSD. Yeah, and that's the thing, is like, drugs are part of rock and roll, and that was a lot of what was part of Anthony's life, and I know my life, and and it is sort of a rebellious thing, while the Beatles would be the safe choice. That's what it gets to. I was getting back to, you know, it really does put you into the rebel, or, or and this is my, hopefully one day thesis statement, in life there are two kinds of people. There are Dantes and there are Randalls. I'm a Randall. A lot of my fan, friends and family are Dantes. And you just, you can't deny who you are. I feel like, I feel like I, I don't know. I definitely have Dante days. <laughs> yeah. I do. I'm not even supposed to be here. No, I do have Dante days. But that's the thing. I feel like a lot of the time I can be a Randall. Yeah. But a lot of the time I'm Randall in, in time that I spend by myself. And so I can have brief interactions with people. See, Jared is like that. Like, he's a Dante, like, at work, but at home he's a Randall. Like, you can have traits, but, like... Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm, in that sense, I'm living two lives. And mm-hmm. in one life, I'm yeah. uh, Dante Hicks, and in the other, I'm Randall Graves. Yeah, but um, that's sort of, like, in a nutshell, it does boil down to people, is there are your rebels, and there are... You know, your your ants. Ooh, that goes back to that movie I saw, Hereditary, that I'm going to have nightmares about with the ant stuff, because ants are creepy to me. But. I will say, you know what? I'm framing it in my brain this way. If if somebody said, hey, uh, I've got, right now, here's a, two, four LP collections, and they're both only going to cost you 20 bucks. Mm. Uh, one is a four LP collection of the best of the Beatles, and one is a four LP collection of the best of the Stones. You can only buy one. Which one do you want? It's basically a steal for that price. I think I'd take the Stones. Yeah. And okay. not because I don't love the Beatles, but honestly, I think if I could take one or the other, I'd take, I would take the Stones. Dude, yeah, I love the Stones. Like, one of my favorite things was, like, stir, because I love Kevin Bacon. I don't know if I've talked about it enough on this podcast or which ones I've said this on, but I love Kevin Bacon. Stir of Echoes was a movie that bothered me, but in a good way. Because I was like, ooh, this is really scary. But yeah, when they use painted black over and over in that movie, it is cool. And then Fallen, which was another movie that was out around that time, they used Sympathy for the Devil pretty well in that. So, like, the Stones and my young movie Creep Love, like, are like, and this, you're, you're referencing a movie that didn't just yeah. come out, but I do feel like we really need to put a moratorium on Sympathy for the Devil in movies. I'm like, that's one where we just throw it in. It seems like the rights to that song must be real inexpensive relative to the rest of their catalog because that gets used a lot. And a lot of people cover it poorly. Well, sure. That's I feel like that's got to be a really tough song to do. And what what different Mm. can you do with that song or how many different things can you do with that song that is going to be... be, uh, Wait, how many different... What? Sentence structure. (laughs) How many variations... Uh, on that song are there that aren't going to be inherently inferior to the execution of that song yeah exactly there we go i got there mm-hmm. yeah audience, audience we went on this really long tangent about how awesome the stones are but yes yeah and, and they which are. is fact 
I gotta read that. I've had the Keith Richards book sitting on my shelf for such a... See, I, I do own books. Uh, I've uh, had the Keith Richards book sitting on my shelf for a long time, and I haven't gotten to it yet, but it's gonna happen. And that's a good book, because it's an autobiography. I'm just like, I don't know what I need with fiction when I'm like... See, right now... TV. See, I try and alternate fiction and nonfiction, so right now, I, I recently started The Stand by Stephen King. I'm finally huh. working through Stephen King. I only started like a year ago. Really? And... See, I've when now, I was a kid, I read a lot of those, and I'm just like, done. I'm like, doing all the big I'm ones sure in order. Good, but... So now I've read Carrie, I've read... Um, I read Carrie, like, in middle school. I read Carrie, I read Salem's Lot, I read The Shining, and now I'm reading The Stand, and I'm just gonna read, I'm gonna hit, like, all the big ones basically in order, but I'm reading the long version of The Stand, so I'm gonna be on that for a little bit. If you read The the Shining, like, and watch, like, the Stephen Weber uh, Shining, you'll like it a little bit more, because it is more in line with the books. Well, and that's the thing is, I like the Kubrick one the best, but, like, I still think the other one has merit, and if, especially if you've read the book, so, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen the, the TV version. Yeah. I'm cu- I am very good. curious about it. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, uh, yeah. going all the Books. way back, because we, we're having too much fun. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I guess we should go back and we should kind of focus on why we're, why we are here. We, yeah, we are here to, um, sort of shed light on, you know, things, because I know that a lot of people with well intentions with the news about Anthony Bourdain's uh, suicide, uh, have been sending out suicide hotline, uh, tweets and, you know, telling people to reach out if they're feeling, you know, down, and I was really impressed by some alternate response that I saw. You did see a, a great amount of people opening up following yeah. following Bourdain's passing uh, immediately in the wake of it, opening up in very direct and very extensive ways about their own struggles with mental illness in a way that I honestly found very, very affecting. Um, and we, we saw people touching on a lot of things that most people don't talk about publicly at all, let alone this directly. And I think maybe some of those are what you're referring to. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a thing is that, um, I brought up, you know, some of the different alternate responses. Cause yeah, you know, attributing that to thoughts and prayers, like it's nice, but it doesn't mean anything. But what does is Cassie St. Ong, who, um, and if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, but she's a former Letterman writer and other, you know, great comedy credits, you know, funny person. But as most of us know, because why I'm here, is uh, a lot of people are comedians because we suffer from major depression or other mental illness. And that's our ability to cope. But yeah, she says so many messages telling those who are struggling to reach out. Fair enough. But part of what depression does is mute your ability to reach. If you are not depressed and you see someone struggling, you reach out. If you don't see someone who used to be around, you reach out. It can be kind of scary to a regular person who thinks they don't know what to do. It is certainly awkward as hell. Who cares? Though, why ask, are you okay? So, I'm worried about you. Ask, can I get in touch with someone for you? Even here on Twitter, don't mind your business. The worst thing that could happen if you've overstepped it. And your genuine concern is so much less bad than the worst thing that could happen if you didn't. It is our duty to try and reach out to each other. And if you want to say something but you're scared, 
ping me. I'm always here. And if you want to say someone you know by, uh, die by suicide, it is not your fault. It's depression's fault. I just want us to remember if someone is on the side of the road with four flats, we shouldn't drive by because we're not the tow truck. We can all do something if we see something. Also, want to apologize because I know people, um, yeah, that's just uh, getting into her, you know, physically responding to a lot of people who reached out, um, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And that, this is the type of stuff, and, and I feel like this is the bright side of this, is now that we have outlets like Twitter, you know, finally being used for good, is like this is sort of giving people a little bit of a, a wake-up call that we're kind of all, I mean, iPhone, I this, I that, we are all a little bit self-absorbed right now. And <laughs> that, a little bit? Yeah. And also, right now? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, let's face it, people have been for quite some time. And I feel like we're just sort of at that peak, you know, highest narcissism rates in years. That's why I've been jokingly have people take the Dr. Drew narcissism test. I made a 14, which is the same as Adam Carolla, which I'm in the okay range because I, it's average is 15 and above. And this might be the only thing I'm glad to be below average on. The, uh... Is this the one that I took also? Yeah. I think I... Didn't I score a six on this? Yeah. Which is actually concerning in the opposite yeah. direction. It's, bro, maybe you don't like yourself enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. No. But yeah, this is something that, you know, they talked about in... That narcissism rates are so high. So... Because we are very into ourselves and very inwardly focused a lot of the times. And, and this is just as society. This is not me pointing anyone out. Like, this is all of us. Yes, to and, one extent or another. And even even mm-hmm. uh, intense self-loathing yeah. is its own form of self-obsession. Oh, yeah. And that is the thing. Is like, it's still all about you, even if it's all about shitting on you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, and, 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 yeah, that is something to joke about because, like, it is funny in a way. This is me trying to be bright again because it, if you're self-aware of it, it's just like why show, why things are funny when someone's a little bit more self-aware and in on the joke. Like, well, it's, and a, that's way to, we, it's a way to cope, right? Because yeah. if you can, tell me if you disagree, but it's like if you can laugh at it and especially if you can share a moment of levity with somebody over it while still feeling you can express it genuinely, it's, it's a reminder that you're not you're not a monster you're not subhuman you're not an alien whatever like it's it's real you're there you're you're seen you're heard but you can still connect which means you're still here you know what i mean yeah well and and that's what i think you know i'm kind of glad i made that because this wasn't even a place i was intentionally going but it kind of makes my point even better than i thought it would well um i'm to that point but yeah like that's what comedy is supposed to do. And that's why I feel like right now we need to have the rise of comedy. And that's the bright side of depression. I mean, we've lost so many people. Because I feel like Anthony Bourdain was... I consider him a comedian. I thought he was funny. He was more, at least a great storyteller. And isn't that all a lot of comedians are? I know like Andy Dick and people that we've been concerned about in this way as well. Um, it is what it is. And these are people reaching out so we need to be reaching out 
And I feel like people being able to express themselves openly with, and with comedy and people being a little bit more aware that a lot of that is reaching out is what this is for. Right. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to, because you said something about, and I think this is pretty relevant, uh, you said something about how you know we're at kind of peak narcissism levels, mm. but we also seem to be at a peak of psychological strain. Yeah. I think for, for just about everybody in one form or another, or everybody that isn't, uh, let's put it generously, uh, exceptionally fortunate, is experiencing some form of uh, uh, psychic distress. Well, yeah, and that's actually why I do this podcast. That's what cognitive behavioral therapy, that CBT, is, is learning for you to think about the bright side. Think about it as a joke. Try to see things from another perspective versus what most people are sadly doing is wallowing in everything. And, I mean, you know, I don't want to say it, but a lot of people, it's about, you know, victimhood, about what about me, 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 me. When we have people, and coming back to Anthony, who was a giver, he was giving. And that's the thing, is like, with his gift of storytelling or, or shedding light on these cultures, he was not that person. And that's what's so tragic, is he was one of the good ones, one of the people still sitting out there not thinking about himself. And that's what I wanted to shed light on, because that's what people don't understand. The most depressed people are the people that are thinking outward instead of inward all the time. I will say, too, and... Uh... And Anthony Bourdain is is only the most recent in a string of high-profile suicides uh, that we've seen recently. You know, Kate Spade was pretty shortly before that. Uh, you know, we had uh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, uh, and Chester, Chester Bennington. Yes, exactly. And my hope, if you want to talk about yeah. what could the bright side of this be, hopefully, and we're, we're starting to see little, little hints of it on social media now following Bourdain's passing, I'm hoping this really starts to shift the conversation a little bit in terms of why, what would drive somebody to do this and what depression actually is. Because, you know, you get a lot of people when you try and open up, mm, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to get, because it's not, it's not what the conversation is about. I don't want to jump too far into my, uh my own personal uh, morass. I know, I'm having trouble too. <laughs> but when, uh, you know, there are times where you'll, you'll open up to people about how you're feeling and you'll get some version of, oh, you're fine, or oh, yeah. what do you have to be depressed about? Because outwardly, they're, outwardly, they're entirely correct. It may look on paper like everything is fine, like you've got nothing to be depressed or down at all about, just like... If you look from the outside, people with these big careers, these big presences, people like, uh, you know, a Chris Cornell or yeah. a an Anthony Bourdain, they have, by by all of the metrics we as, as part of like Western, especially Western consumerist culture, by every metric that we societally subscribe to, these people basically won life. Yeah. They have all of it. In, if you want to frame it that way, yeah, what do they have to be depressed about? 
that's not how it works. That's no. not how it works in any way at all. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, if only one thing comes out of this that we can take away from it going forward, hopefully it's that a few more people start to piece together that maybe it's not as simple as, oh, I don't understand what you have to be sad about, so it's silly that you're sad. You'll be fine. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, they don't understand that's what real clinical depression is. There is a difference between being depressed about something that you logically should. Right, being depressed That's is not, not just yeah. being sad. Yeah, and two, there's no one diminishing that. But you have to understand there's this, you know, a disease called clinical depression. And I do have a master's degree in psychology, so I'm at least somewhat educated on this subject. But this is where I'll point out, you know, Kristen Bell recently was on Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast, and I know she's talked about this with her husband Dex on his Armchair Expert um uh, podcast and then um you know just openly for years that you know she has clinical depression and that would be the first person most people were like what does she have to be depressed about her life's perfect it's like yep i'm glad you're in the face of depression because you are somebody that we all could look to see and has a perfect life but i and i'm really glad that you are being treated and are on you know a medication that works for you and you speak openly about this because this is what we need. I just, you know, wish that maybe one of us had, you know, seen that in Anthony before it got to that point, but it's more people like Christian and then doing stuff like this here and then, you know, hopefully that is the bright side of this is more people having open conversations like that. And yeah. and more people broadening their understanding yeah. of what what depression is and and we don't, we're not having that conversation. Hopefully we start to have that conversation. But the infrastructure to address, let alone deal with mental illness in this country is pretty, I'm trying to come up with a better word than embarrassing. Yeah. As far as how lacking it is. Yeah, I mean, we live in uh, Los Angeles, which is the biggest embarrassment in this country to how they deal with the mentally ill. How do you mean? Well, I mean, just walk around out here and mm. all the homelessness. Right. And, um, you know, most of that is, you know, drug addiction, but it, that is mental illness. And that's why I love, you know, uh, Dr. Drew has been vocal about, I mean, because most people have become drug addicts in this country and eventually out on the streets because of doctors. And, you know, he's like, I'm ashamed of my profession. Like, we have People to stop this. You mean, yeah. yeah. And, and that's where you, we know for sure was possible in the Chris Cornell and um, Chester Bennington case, both using benzodiazepines after um, being off of opiates. What's, and the, what's the name of the drug? Uh, Xanax is the most popular benzodiazepine, but like Ativan, and there's Ativan. a lot of them. Yeah. Ativan, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and also to fentanyl. Like, yeah, fentanyl is so dangerous. I mean, you're seeing these cops have to go to the hospital when they bust into like a drug house or you know respond to a cop a car with people who've been overdosed. It's and, very dangerous. Fentanyl killed Prince, I believe. Yes. And that's the thing is that is also mental illness, and that is tied to depression. And that's tied to this up in suicides. Yes. Uh, yeah. I feel like, and also too, like mental mental health, and I don't want to turn this into an entirely separate conversation, mm. but I think a lot of the violence that we're seeing in this country right now, it's very complicated, and I'm not going to sit here and suggest that I have a solution to any of it. But I think we're having we're having conversations about elements of the violence. But I think one conversation that nobody's having, one conversation that I 
I don't think anybody's looking to have what what turns somebody into the kind of person that would say pick up an assault rifle mm-hmm. and take it to a school mental uh, illness and what yeah. and obviously it's like I'm not I'm not you no. I, there's no reason for us to yeah, talk about this is guns not at excu- all on this show. Yeah, this uh, is not excusing people, but this is a conversation that we should be having along with the gun conversation. Right, and the, right exactly. And Nobody's, no because, one's doing it. Right, yeah. because the gun conversation is yeah. already real fraught and very complex. Yeah. The conversation about what, what not just in their individual lives and in their individual homes, but in our society at large turns people into that because yeah. you don't you you really don't tend to pop out like that no. something something happens whether it is a mental illness or more likely external societal environmental factors acting upon the mental illness and exacerbating it what 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 is it what are the causes and plural because there's never going to be just one but that conversation getting to the bottom of that attempting to find solutions, applying solutions, and then implementing them culture-wide. That's big. It's big. But that's the conversation that needs to happen. And that's the conversation that is ultimately going to save, I think, more lives than, than the rest of the conversations we're having. Important though those conversations may be, we're not addressing what, what trauma does to the mind, what mental illness does to the mind and how one can directly feed the other and can bleed out into the environment surrounding the person experiencing it. Those are tough conversations. And I think that's partially why we're not having them. And part of it is, part of it is just ignorance. Like a lot of it is just ignorance in large, large, large swaths of people. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to is that, you know, we need to be educated and that's why I'm all for Kristen Bell going out there and that's why I want to do this is people just need to be educated. And, you know, a lot of this is common sense, but you just need to treat people well, first of all. I mean, Mr. Rogers says what, you know, be kind, be kind, and be kind. Just be kind. Kindness costs nothing. And that's the thing that I've noticed just increasingly, you know, and as they said, the suicide rate has increased 30% since 2016. I saw that. And it's like, you know, one thing I've seen increased, and I guess it's because it goes back to the me, 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 is people are just openly shitty. And when did that become okay? I you mean, and I have talked multiple times, no. not, not even on podcasts. We've just had a number of conversations about observing the breakdown of the social contract. Yeah, I know. I remember bringing that up and just being like, that is what I've observed, you know, the more and more I've gone into adulthood. And I'm like, I don't remember adults acting like this when I was a kid because I would see people. And and two, again, I know things come in waves, uh, but yeah, it's like. Well, we can also, again, and this, this then becomes a very different conversation, but then, of course, we could talk extensively about how, in the last year and change, how normalized, open, vitriolic hatred has become in this yeah. country. But what turns people into the kind of people that would willfully be like that? You don't come out of the womb no. being hateful. And I truly think that some of these people are definitely suffering from their own set of 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 illnesses whether chemical 
or uh, uh, generated by uh, circumstance or by the environment, right? Because trauma, extensive enough trauma and the fallout of trauma can also impact your brain chemistry. I had it explained to me once uh, using the metaphor of a car. Yeah. Right, your car. You get a brand new car right off the right off the 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 belt at the factory, and it could be the most pristine, beautiful. Everything runs perfectly. It's a dream car. But if you push that car far too long and far too hard, that car is going to crap out on you. The machinery in that car yeah. is just not going to work the way that it did, the way that it could, the way that it's supposed to. And the brain is not dissimilar from a car in that way. You could have a perfectly normal, chemically balanced brain. But a traumatic enough event or sustained reoccurring trauma or both, the effect that that has on the brain over time can alter the chemistry. You don't necessarily have to have a genetic chemical imbalance. A chemical imbalance can essentially be created through circumstance. And I wonder how much of that combined with, yes, a, a profound lack of education and, and willful ignorance and a whole bunch of fear, uh, how all of that plays into how somebody becomes an adult who will be so openly, publicly shitty and hateful the way you're describing. Yeah. And that that ties back into what we were talking about, about what what is it? What is it that is so... So, so rotting people out, uh, and some, some more than others, right? And it's people who are suffering from, you know, genuine clinical depression or post-traumatic stress or, uh, you know, a severe, you know, a generalized anxiety disorder. They're receiving a, a far greater, they're receiving far more weight from yeah. all of that psychic negativity to begin with. And then seeing so much, so much hate being lobbed in every direction. And, you know, it's hard to get up a lot of days and truly believe the direction we're moving in is a good one. It, it feels like a lot of the time, like there really isn't any hope. And I feel like yeah. that, that too is part of why we are seeing an uptick in the suicide rate. It's all of these issues going unaddressed going on, on uh, you know, people not connecting, people not being reached out to, people not being helped, uh, combined with this crushing sense of hopelessness that I think a lot of us are feeling. I think that's, that's why we're seeing a lot of what we're seeing in terms of those numbers going up. And it's what, what do we do? What, what do we do to change that, to reach people, to, to help the people that need help so that we can reverse that trend and and to bring it all the way back like we were talking about if if it's horrible that we lost anthony bourdain for example yeah. but if the takeaway from people for people from that can be we need to change this conversation and maybe we can help the next person even if it's only one person we can help one more one more person who might have made that choice uh you know that's i guess i guess if there's a bright side that would be it yeah, and that's what this was designed to do from the beginning in this more literal in this sense. But cognitive behavioral therapy is a treatment for depression. I mean, that's what I've been doing. That's what this is. And Which is essentially... Yeah, uh, rewiring, as right. Adam Carolla would put it. Because yeah. so much of what puts us in these awful these awful mental and emotional places is bad conditioning. Yeah. Bad, and bad external conditioning. Here's the thing, right? You can't blame... You cannot blame other people for your personal set of issues 
but that's largely because it doesn't do you any good. That doesn't mean that there aren't external factors that are more responsible than you are for the state that you're in. It doesn't absolve you of the responsibility to to manage it and yeah. deal with it. That's unfortunately still your responsibility to handle, but you're not at fault necessarily. When, th- when things happen to you, it's not because you deserved it or you're a bad no. person. But, there yeah. Was, I was going somewhere with that, I though. think it was along the lines of, like, personal responsibility, and that really is the key to this, is, like, you, regardless of what has happened to you and what in your life, like, may have led to this point, is you have to take on your own responsibility in this, and trust me, it will help, and just, like, trying to rewire, like, you know, work at... Yes, it's you, oh, conditioning, yeah. conditioning, mm-hmm. yes. It's like, it's like the car, the car metaphor again. Yeah. Um... So much of it is the result of bad conditioning and there are ways and it can't necessarily, it's not magic, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a magical cure at best. It's going to be a a, a set of tools that will hopefully enable you to cope more efficiently. But if you can recondition yourself, you can help yourself. But to, to be in a position to recondition yourself efficiently is a luxury that a lot of people don't have because therapy can be uh, very cost prohibitive. And for a lot of people who are this in crisis, this podcast is free. And this podcast Adam is Carolla's free. podcast, Dr. Drew's podcast, That's that is true. a thing. I am not, not a to professional. Toot, yeah, not <laughs> so. to, yeah, not to toot my own horn or you know theirs while I love it. But that's helped me a lot, and that's why I decided to do this. You know. Fuck you, Drew. Like, Adam really does motivate people, like, and like myself. I mean, that's why this is Mrs. Brightside. And it is what it is, you know, and that is the bright side of this, is that we, and Bourdain did that, I know, for me when I was younger. So this is sort of giving back, because, like, listening to him tell these stories would help me in my depression. I was invested and, like, when he would go to these places on no reservation, when, you know, I, at that time I never knew I would travel. But, you know, and that's what this is. And hopefully this does help people when you hear it and you can relate. Is just listen. like Just and, listen. And that's really what most of this boils down to, is that people aren't listening to one another. Not at all. I will say one of the few decent lines from Supergirl that did this the shooting episode it was it was honestly terrible I and don't think very I'm, I'm behind by about half a yeah. season so i don't think i've seen uh, i would recommend watching it just to see oh, they're very headline it's very svu and i don't mean that in a good way where they ripped this story from the headlines in, involving mass shootings okay and it's very nail on the head very clear cut where they stand and it was just very lazy. But one of the shining moments that they very glossed over is what I put was lazy, uh, amongst not tying the storylines in together, was Lena says to James when they differ on the gun issues, she's like, you know, I like, you know, oh, I'm, I never, you know, saw your point of view before. But isn't that great? Like, when, when we listen to one another, what we can accomplish. And that's really it. And that should have been the focus and should have been the conclusion that they came to at the end. And it was lost. And I'm like, no, this is what we need right here. Because whether it's listening to what, you know, gun laws, you know, should be and should not be, what is acceptable, what is what is protection and what is just mayhem, that is a conversation. Just like mental health is a conversation. You need both of those when involving this. 
And also not for nothing too, I guess to tag up on to tag up on all of that. Just because somebody seems like they're perfectly fine when they see mm. you, it doesn't I mean, mean they're, fine. they're fine. By all accounts, Anthony Bourdain was perfectly happy. He seems so happy he was doing his work. You know, it's Yeah, just... let me find uh Brian Cuban, um, Mark Cuban's brother whom uh was friends with in Dallas. Like he had posted um, just some quotes from people regarding, like, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, just days before they died, and... You'd never know. Yeah. By all accounts, you'd never know, and people had no idea that, that that's the place that they were in, privately. Yep. So don't assume, right? You, no. you, you do see some of this, you see, you know, people will, will tr uh, throw it back and forth on social media so much so that it's, it's become a bit of a platitude and a cliche. Yeah. But... You know, you you don't know what, uh, I forget the exact phrasing, you guys know what I'm talking about, where it's like everybody is fighting a private battle, so don't assume you know what everybody's going through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this was on a Suicide Awareness Prevention uh, Facebook page. Robin Williams' friends. He was always happy. Everyone adored him. Kate Spade's dad, I just talked to her an hour before, and she was planning a trip. She was just like her brand, happy, cheerful, and full of color. Anthony Bourdain's best friend, the one who found him, he loved his life and had this extraordinary ability to just connect with people. So, let me say this loud so that people in the back room can hear me. Sometimes you need to check on those who seem the strongest. And I know what I wrote was like, yeah, I know a lot of you with good intentions have been posting the suicide hotline number and saying reach out. That sadly just puts the burden on those suffering yet again. You reach out. Most of the folks are like me. They would not dream of reaching out because they see it as weak or just can't find the words. It's not the folks who are constantly posting about their struggles who need help the most sometimes. So keep that in mind. People are strong because they have and are dealing with a lot. So get out of your own head for once and really ask someone how they're doing. Trust me, it helps. And it comes back to just people kind of getting out of yourself and how you feel in a situation. Yeah, very much so. I, I agree with that. And I, I, I get that people posting the, uh, you know, the, the suicide yeah. crisis hotline numbers, I get that it's coming it, from a good It's good intentions, yeah, as I put, place. yeah. Telling some folks a little bit about myself, they, they don't do a whole lot. This brings me back to, is like, I know a lot of people feel like social media is to blame for a lot of this, but social media can connect us more than it divides us. So why not use it to your advantage and use it to help people instead? Like... Like some people have done, like um, that Cassie I was talking about earlier, like Anthony had done when um, the Weinstein stuff was going on that was helping people. And that's what you can do. I mean, don't think of the social media as a bad thing. Like if you see somebody you know is not posting for a while, reach out. I mean, whether they're a celebrity, I mean, like, and, and treat people like people, whether they're Anthony Bourdain or whether, you know, they're just an egg on Twitter, you know, like. Do they still do the eggs or they're like shadow, they're like cut out people now. Oh, right. It's like that. the gray with like the silhouette, just like the neutral yeah. body in it. Something. But yeah, it's like, just, just be nice to people. It's it really, it's not, it's not. Hey. difficult to yeah. do and also if somebody and it is hard because i get tweeted a lot of nasty things and you want to go back but then you're like no i don't know what this person's well, dealing sarah silverman is one of the people i would say like i'm constantly impressed by how human she is to people even when they've attacked her so that's so that's kind of what i'm 
I guess what I'm trying to get at is right. Like if somebody, again, if they're being like yeah. openly and pointedly hateful, that's one thing. But if they're not, you don't, you don't know. Like if somebody, if somebody is just a little too much or a little too reserved or a little too anything and it rubs you the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. It's not that your reaction is completely illegitimate, but you don't, you don't know whether this person is just having a weird time coping. Yeah, like, and that's where I'm often bothered by some people and what they deem is egregious versus not, like, as far as humans go. Oh, we've had had a bunch of these conversations. Yeah, and it's like, people may have annoying idiosyncrasies or things like that, but if they are genuinely a good person, I'd much rather take that guy than someone who I deem, you know, does harm people go out of their way and it's just like i'm sorry that's that's how i i look at things but it's like if you're if you're willfully shitty if you're willfully talking shit about people behind their back for example you're you're not you're choosing not to do your best you know what i mean whereas like somebody might fuck up somebody might socially not know how to handle themselves perfectly well at all times but they may earnestly be doing their best and know that it doesn't mean that you're going to want to be their best friend and hang out with them all the time but to hold them yeah. hold them up as being lesser or uh, uh, carrying disdain for them if they are in fact genuinely trying their best with yeah. the tools that they have access to you don't like you can't you get what I'm saying yeah, it's like... My brain just sort of threw up its hands at that point and just sort of walked away from itself. Yeah. It all goes back to, again, Mr. Rogers. Just just be nice. Treat people as your neighbor. Right. And, like, you're not... Right, like, yeah. that It's you again. It's like you choosing not to be the best. Openly shitty. Right, well, right, right, right. Basically, like, it just comes down to, like, let's not be openly shitty and then work on manners and things later if we, if we can't master that. Yeah, and that is the thing, is I had to, you know, pay a lot of money to go to college and um, be in debt forever, but I learned a lot because I got a psychology degree. Not yeah. everybody's going to do that. Now, I mean, books are free at your local library. You could do that. Um, yeah, or you I, I could... don't have a, a psychology degree, but I've done a lot of reading. Yeah, or um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash Mrs. Brightside and get your 30-day free trial. There you go. That is com slash Mrs. Brightside to get your 30-day free trial and listen to those audiobooks. And that's the thing. It's very smooth. Yeah, I know. I was like, well... Um, I really was just encouraging people to like educate themselves and, and whether it's going to school or reading or listening to books or just listening to podcasts. I mean, and there are plenty out there that are much more qualified than me to talk about this subject. And yeah, just, just again, be knowledgeable and listen. And, and that's really what this all comes down to. I think is people just need to listen to one another. Empathy. Yeah. Empathy, 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 empathy. We have, you yep. know, we, we have a serious, a serious empathy problem in this country. Uh, and you know what? It's it's not just this country, but I feel like we do it uh, in a very unique way. Yeah. 
we got to work on our empathy and we got to work on yeah listening yeah like, very much very much we don't yeah I'm still think it's one of the first things you said I think like, we really don't listen to each other no we need, to, we need to all every single one of us needs to do better because we we're all we're all for better or worse we're all stuck here yep you know what I mean like and would you rather be stuck up your own ass or on the surface and and kind of that was like a weird it's a weird metaphor I was just gonna skate by it uh uh kindness costs you nothing it it costs you nothing and you don't you don't know you don't know what's going on with people you can't always trust that the face that they're showing you is indicative of everything happening under the surface kindness costs nothing it's no. worth it's worth reaching out. I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but yeah, I I I don't presume I don't presume to fully understand the inner workings of other people's minds. Yeah, I prefer not to. I do my best. Like we all we all hopefully are doing our best. Uh, but doing your best starts with listening. It yeah. always starts with listening. You cannot possibly do your best. If you are not listening and keeping your mind open and in every, almost every conversation that I have with anybody on any topic can find its way back to uh, intellectual curiosity is one of the most important traits a person can possess. I'd yep. say intellectual curiosity and empathy. Empathy is what empathy is what makes you a good person. Intellectual curiosity is what makes you a rounded person. Yeah, and I feel like what the issue comes down to, but going back to society and sucking, I guess, um, is that most people are being intellectually dishonest now, and that's where this disconnect is. Is can we get back to being honest, even if it's only with ourselves? People at least can know that. Yeah, I don't, man, I, I I don't have answers. I mm. definitely don't profess to have answers, but. I know we don't arrive at answers if we don't listen and if we don't, you know, and, and we need to be having these conversations, but for those conversations to happen in many, in, in many, many, many specific cases, it will require, uh, some people maybe a little bit more actively reaching out to, to those who so desperately want to be reached out to, but who feel a lack of an ability to do the reaching themselves. Yeah, and, you know, wrapping this up in a neat little bow there is that's what this was supposed to be, is the bright side of depression and the bright side of this news uh, to somebody who um, certainly inspired me in Anthony Bourdain is that there hopefully is a conversation to be had now, and um, hopefully people are going to be reaching out instead of saying that others need to, you know, put the burden on them. Like, yet again, so like, you know, just flipping that conversation and sort of giving these therapy secrets is maybe the bright side of uh, social media, too, is that's where we can do that, um, or podcast. Well, that was like a super meta conversation there, like at the end. So, yeah, where can they keep up the conversation with you? Oh, man. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. Uh, feel free to tweet at me, DM me. Uh, you know, I know reaching out is tough, but if it helps, uh, I get it. I sure do. Uh, so find me on social media, like I said, at the Lex Michael. I also do a podcast with Tari J. Miller. It's called Missing Out. It's the retrospective that's introspective. We look at, uh, you know, different forms of media, whether it's movies, TV, books, 
uh, anime, poetry, spoken word, or different experiences, things that resonate with people, that shape the people they become, and we explore why and how they resonate with us the way that they do. We drop episodes every Tuesday, and we do little mini-sodes every Monday, Missing Out Mondays, where we talk about what we've been into the previous week. Uh, find the show wherever podcasts can be found, and also on Twitter, at Missing Outcast, M-A-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. We love you. Big kiss. Yes, and since I'm the Crucial Lion, guys, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. And yeah, always uh, reach out as well, and I will do the same. I know that recently I did reach out to someone via Twitter privately when I had realized they might be going through the same thing. And too, like, just read what people are saying on there. I know, you know. It's hard sometimes, especially in word like that, but people people do um, cry for help on there, and in a good way. Like, in the, you know, and it's good that they're saying stuff, because if somebody sees that, you can reach out and hopefully help somebody. So, yeah, don't always see it as weak. I know. It's hard. But, yeah, and if you want to listen to another um, happy-go-lucky podcast of mine... It's the Red Room. It's your horror news source. Stuff may be scary, but we always have a good time. Like uh, talking about the Halloween trailer this week and Hereditary, which caused us to get more therapy. But yeah, those uh, have new episodes every Thursday, and they're on all the same platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next Tuesday. I want to again shout out Audible the audiobook app from Amazon, who is one of the sponsors for this podcast. And if you would like to join Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash Mrs. Brightside. Again, great books on depression or just books to maybe get you out of depression, like Born Standing Up Again by uh, Steve Martin is just wonderful. Or a book that I found really helped me was Why We Don't Suck by uh, Dennis Leary, his latest uh, follow-up to Why We Do Suck. So yeah, I love that he does both sides of the story. And again, that's audibletrial.com slash Mrs. Brightside for your 30-day free trial. Hi, I'm Tari J. Miller. And I'm Lex Michael. And we host a podcast called Missing Out. Lex, what's Missing Out? Missing Out uh, is a... I already fucked it up. Dig <laughs> Bullshit. Try again. <laughs> you and I come from different cultural backgrounds, which means we were introduced to different pieces of art and media at different times. True. And in talking about this media, we hope to not just explore art, not just explore culture, but also share bits of ourselves, talk a bit about our experiences and why some of this art resonates with us the way it does. It's the retrospective that's introspective. Where can I find this? All over the podcast sphere. Check your iTunes, check your Stitcher, you can check your Google Play and your Podbean. You can also find the show on Twitter at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. We hope to see you there with our ears. What? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>